Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Breece Annabel. She is a psychologist in Asheville, North Carolina, and she is on my consultation team. So I'm lucky to know her a little bit more in depth, and I'm just really excited to have her here. She specializes in eating disorders. She's a DBT therapist, a yoga teacher, and also specializes in treating OCD. So I'm excited to have her here, um, particularly to talk about one of the issues that comes up a lot during the holidays, which is body image and things around food, since there seems to be so much food as a focus during the holiday time. So welcome to Tea Talk, Brice. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, whether I mentioned it or not? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to to talk with you about this. And like you said, holidays can be such a tough time um, when there's lots of food talk, lots of food around and also family, um, which the combination of all those things can be really, really tough. So um, yeah, I think you covered it all. Um, I'm a certified eating disorder specialist. I've worked with eating disorders for about 15 years. Also have my own lived experience with an eating disorder. So I come um, to this work with my, my own history and my own work that I have done. Um, and then just a lot of uh, people that I've been really grateful and uh, fortunate to have worked with over a lot of times that have taught me a lot as well. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to talk a little bit more about all this with you. Awesome. And for anybody who hasn't noticed, we are dressed in Christmas attire. Brees has her fancy Christmas blazer on. Shout out to the blazer. <laughs> Freaking love that blazer. It's so cute. And I'm wearing a t-shirt with a Grinch on it. Not as fancy, but definitely very fun. My voice probably went away during that. Definitely very fun. Um, also, fun fact, we're recording in July because I'm a planner. And so it's hot outside. And we are not like, I'm wearing the Christmas stuff, but I'm also sweating. So there's that. Um, okay, so let's jump into it. This feels, the the timing of this, as always, like we're, we're recording this for the holidays, but this always happens where... It's a planned thing, and I don't necessarily plan for something to come up that that makes it even more relevant, but, you know, this is how it goes, and so the, the universe is affirming our meeting today. Last week, I had somebody um, tell me that somebody else told them that they noticed that I gained weight, and they were concerned. Yeah, I know. It sucked. I cried. <laughs> I cried a little bit after it, to be honest, um, and it was just a really crappy moment um, for multiple reasons. And I'll, I want to start by talking about this because I feel like it's a struggle that I have a lot. And I wonder, you know, in your experience, if you've heard this, if this is something people struggle with, like in my position as a woman in 2023, being a therapist, so having clients who struggle with eating disorders, 
um, everything that we've gone through since 2020 and just being more aware of like what is good human behavior and what is not. And when I say good, I mean like kind, accepting, open and loving and what is not and how much of that is a result of you know, a history of racism, racism and the patriarchy and all of these things. And so what happened was I, I heard this and I got upset and I cried about it. And in that moment of like getting upset and crying about it, I was very carefully observing all of the thoughts and emotions that were going on and trying to figure out like what I was most upset about and why I was upset about it. And so there's a bigger part of me that's like mm-hmm. my therapist, um, intersectional feminism, you know, you don't have to look a certain way part. And that part's really upset. Number one, that we, and I really, was, I honestly wasn't super upset at the person who, who made the comment, because I know I've done that before, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. I've made comments, not directly to, to someone, but I've, it just comes up like, oh, did that person gain weight? Or did that person lose weight? It's like natural. Like our, yeah. my, you know, brains just kind of programmed it. So I wasn't upset with them. But I was upset that like our brains do that. I was upset that we've been shaped in a way to pay attention to and make comments about other people's um, weight, figure, how they look, what they wear, all of these things. So I'm upset about that. Like I'm upset that we have landed in this way. And then I'm upset that I also, because I know I'm upset that I have gained weight. So there's also a part of me that's upset around that. And I struggle with this like dialectical tension of, why am I happy? Or why do I want to work on something? Like if I want to work on quote unquote, eating healthier, am I doing that because I want to feel better? Am I doing it because I want to lose weight? And then I wonder like, if I lose weight, will I feel better about myself? And then how much of that is just my genuine own feeling versus the smash the patriarchy? I don't have to listen to anyone. I'm going to do what I want and look how I want. And that in itself is super exhausting. So I'm curious Mm-hmm. how that comes up probably for you, you said you've had your own experience in eating disorder in having an eating disorder and you're a therapist so mm-hmm. I'm sure those things come up I'm curious like what are your thoughts on that that polarity yeah well I think first to speak to the society where you know we are all I, I it's a loaded term but I say like we are all just indoctrinated, if not Mm -hmm. brainwashed into this idea that number one, thin equals health. And then in turn, you know, I, I, out of concern and out of love for you and your health, I am going to speak about your body. We are just all so indoctrinated into all of those ideas of thinness and health and, and thinness and beauty. Um, I have come to a place of just really more just deep compassion as on in an individual level. Now my anger comes up when I look at the systems and the corporations that profit off of all of that. But as individuals, so often, you know, we are just all swimming in the water. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself all the time, like, how can we not? Mm -hmm. How can we not be trained really to be looking at our own bodies in that way. And then in turn trained to be looking at other people's bodies Mm -hmm. in that way, you know? And so I think that's such an important place to start to really meet ourselves and others just with that really deep compassion. Um, And again, on an individual level, I do, I save my anger for the The bigger systemic. Yeah. How we all got here. 
Exactly, because there's a lot of, um, I think, uh, righteous anger to be had and directed at those systems. But typically, on an individual level, um, it is either out of a lack of awareness and education and understanding about those systems um, that we are in. So, and then to speak, you know, on the personal, as far as like <clears throat> when we, we might make different choices for ourselves, whether it's around what we eat or our exercise, right? Or I even extend it all the way to like beauty products. And, you know, sure. I, this is very much on my mind coming into, you know, I, now that I'm in my forties, you know, thinking about anti-aging products and I, you know, just always this question in my mind, I'm always wanting just to be really, uh, vigilant of like, wow, what are all the ways that I'm buying into um, those systems? And, and sometimes I do, and it feels okay for myself. You know, it's like, this feels like a good way to take care of my body. Um, I also know that some of those same things there, there can be just such a fine line, you know? And so I just think that my, my stance is that our relationship with our bodies is the most important relationship we will ever have. I talk to my clients all the time. It's like, you are in couples therapy with yourself mm. when you're coming to therapy to work on your relationship with food and your body, you know? And so I just think that constant conversation with ourselves, but our bodies, like, how does this feel for you? Does this feel nourishing? Does this feel like I'm accepting my wrinkles and my, you know, my body's changes? Um, or does this feel like I'm saying to my body, no, you're not good enough. No, you need to change. I'll accept you when. Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's so funny. You said that about the <clears throat> beauty products and stuff. Um, I was looking, I was looking at something, I was buying something on Amazon the other day and it suggested so kindly that I buy anti-aging creams. And I yeah. had a, I had a moment where I, 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 I'm not noticing it until now, but I had this moment where I was like, huh, isn't it funny that like we're, we are investing. And I, again, myself, I've done it too. I mean, that probably showed up because I was probably searching something yeah. like that. Right. But I thought, isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. Like we're trying to anti-age ourselves. Like when you just sit with that, you're trying right. to reverse your yes. aging. Like that sounds so right. weird in, in ways. And yeah. it's like so natural for that to be the, like the gut reaction or the response. How can I make myself look younger and thinner and right. all of these right. different ways, which is against the current of the way that your body is naturally going, whether it's through exactly. weight or wrinkles or brightness or whatever it is that you're trying to change. And so I love that question of how does this feel? Because the tension, and I think a lot of the suffering and misery comes with when we're trying to push against the grain of here's yes. how I am and how's, how I'm showing up, but I'm not happy with this. And I think the thing that people have to pause and pay a lot of mindful attention to is like, where is that part coming from the, the unhappiness right. with it? Is it coming yes. from you? And is it coming from your wise mind that things really need to change or is yeah. it coming from everyone, everything else? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I just think that constant conversation, you know, and like I said, sometimes it's even that question of like, oh, is this just the way that I'm told that I need to, again, like that, that the way that my body is, is not good enough, 
you know, and that is such an evolving thing. Cause again, like I'm, I'm having so many of those experiences now at like in my forties, maybe look different in my twenties, look different in my thirties, but so often the heart of it is so similar, you know? And again, it's just that, that ever evolving relationship with our bodies and keeping that, that introspection and those conversations, um, that communication with ourselves, um, alive, I just think is so important. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I'm thinking about a couple of things. So the one, when we first started the conversation, you were mentioning family at the holiday time. So what are some, as a, as a therapist that specializes in eating disorders and clients are coming to you with body image related concerns, a lot of the time, what are some hard moments that often come up when we're faced with all of this food and then you're faced with all of this family as well. Where do those things collide in a way that create problems for people? Yeah. Well, one big one I think is that people just tend to be so preoccupied with, um, with themselves thinking about food and then adjust conversation around, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be bad and I'm going to get some extra dessert or get dessert at all. And so I just think around the holidays, so many people's minds are just so attuned to, to food and their bodies. And then it just ends up being how people connect and how people are talking with one another, you know? And then, so if you're somebody who's really struggling, um, and I would argue those people who are, who are having those be part of their conversations, right? There's something happening for those people too. But for my clients that I'm talking to, you know, it's just so difficult to be, you're very often it's, it's people are saying the, the thoughts in my mind are now just coming out of somebody else's mouth. Mm. Right. And how hard that is, because we might do a lot of work on managing the thoughts that you might be having around food. Like, for example, holidays, big time are a time where there's so much good food, bad food talk. Mm-hmm. And so if internally you're really trying to challenge those thoughts and give yourself permission to, you know, we talk about an intuitive eating, unconditional permission to eat. And then people around you are echoing so many of those good food, bad food, you know, those thoughts. It's just really, really hard then to feel like you can start to act in a different way and take on a different mindset when it just feels like it's coming at you from internally and it's coming at you from other people too. So I think that's a big one that comes up for people. How you mentioned intuitive eating and I think intuitive eating is like, um, it's definitely a hot term or phrase now, nowadays, both in therapy and, and, and outside of therapy. And I think even myself, I can grossly underestimate the task difficulty that's comes with the skill of intuitive eating, just like Mm -hmm. most people really underestimate the skill that comes with cultivating wise mind when we're talking DBT skills. How long do you think it takes somebody? And I'm sure where they're coming from, that will impact it and it will make it vary. But how long do you think it really takes to be able to hone the skill of listening to your intuition, your body and eating what makes you feel good, either physically in that moment or, you know, in your soul at that moment, because there are different reasons Mm -hmm. and different things that we'll listen to. And so how long do you think it takes to hone that skill? 
Well, as you said, I mean, it really does vastly range for people. Um, I work with people kind of all on the spectrum, all the way from serious life-threatening eating disorders, all the way to disordered eating or, you know, a lifetime of dieting. Um, And so, you know, when I'm working with somebody who's more on the side of um, a, a serious eating disorder, I say, we, we have to start more from the outside in. And so that's where people are typically working with a dietitian and they might, you know, very often have a meal plan that in a lot of ways, that is not uh, intuitive eating because it's coming from the perspective of saying that, you know, when you are engaged in eating disorder behavior, so much of what happens is that you have to override what your body is telling you. Yeah. Right. And so what happens is those signals are no, either you're so used to ignoring them or very often people's bodies are just no longer sending them those signals. And so it's not possible for most people at that stage to practice intuitive eating because what is required is really this connection to ourselves. Right, you have to build them Connection back. to our hunger, connection to our hunger, connection to our fullness, connection to satisfaction. I talk about those two things as like train tracks, right? They, they go along with one another, but they're not the same thing. So people that are more on the side of recovery or early recovery from an eating disorder, that's gonna be more of like that outside in but it is this gradual transition to then rehabilitating your, your brain, your GI system, um, your relationship with your body so that you can start to get those cues again. And that's where you can start to move more into an intuitive eating perspective. And that is a process. And that for many people can take years. Mm. On the other hand, you know, I've worked with people who um, are more in that kind of disordered eating, maybe have done a lot of dieting. Um, and that's not to say that dieting doesn't disrupt and disconnect us from our uh, internal cues because it very much does. But, you know, I've been able to work with people when they hear the idea of, and, the, and the concepts behind the principles of intuitive eating. Um, a lot of times it's terrifying, but so often it's really freeing too. And there's something in themselves that says like, yes. (laughs) Um, And so I've worked with people that it just is like, it feels so right and so true. And they're able to put those things into practice um, fairly quickly. It is still an ever evolving practice. Because again, I keep saying like our relationship with our bodies constantly changing um and so again it 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 is ever evolving throughout our lives but for some people they're so ready for that connection and to be reconnected to their bodies in that way that they can kind of get it um yeah quickly that makes sense i do think it's helpful to hear and just emphasize that it can take years and it's something that's always evolving and changing even just recently, not on the topic of eating disorders, but Mm -hmm. on the topic of wise mind and trusting self. I had a client, we were talking about, you know, when you have a lifetime of invalidation or trauma and, and you get the message a lot of the times that you make the wrong decision, it becomes really hard yeah. to cultivate the relationship with wise mind. And this is what I'm hearing from you. It's similar in the sense of, yes, you know, when you are 
telling your body, no, that's wrong. You're actually not hungry now. And then your body starts to respond. It's like your body gets duped and starts to believe Mm -hmm. that and act differently and then go into its own safety and, and protective measures. And so building the conversation back up and trying to yes. make it grow again, it's good. It's just going to take some time and some really yeah. mindful, careful attention. So that's helpful yeah. to, to hear. Yeah. Can I just add to what you were saying? There's communication with your body. Ultimately, it is a trust building process with your body. And again, that's where I, I talk with people all the time about like, this is like coming to couples therapy. And there has been some major ruptures in the trust um, that you have with your body and that your body has with you um, as you know, and so that can be, I think, one of the most daunting and difficult and scary parts um, of, of learning and practicing intuitive eating for a lot of people. So what about the other side of it? So we're talking about um, intuitive eating, and I think we're maybe not directly coming at it from this angle, but we're kind of coming at it from the sense of not eating enough. So restricting or skipping meals, or I'm not going to go to that Christmas party because it's going to have X, Y, and Z, but let's talk about the other spectrum that still connects to intuitive eating is eating too much. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the, um, fears that could come up is like, well, if I trust myself and to be honest, this is what, what has happened with me. So mm-hmm. I have gotten into this place where it's like, all right, I'm done with, you know, I'm not going to measure my food. I'm tired of all of that. That part of me, that's like, screw all of this. I'm just going to be who I am. That part became really active and it was great. And it, and it has been really freeing. And, um, I think the fear that comes up on the other side is like, when I do that, am I really intuitively eating? If I'm eating like what I want almost all the time, instead of what I need most of the time. And then for me, even if, you know, even if I haven't been weighing myself or I don't have these markers, there are still people who have noticed apparently that I have gained weight. And I'm sure that I have, because I I notice in some of the markers too. And so how do you manage the other side of Mm -hmm. it when it's like, okay, but if I am quote unquote intuitive eating, and I say quotes, cause I don't know that I actually am. What if I mm-hmm. just keep eating and eating and eating? And then yeah. I get to a place that I really don't feel good about myself, not just from the image and ideal standards, but like physically I'm in pain or I'm not yeah. sleeping well because I'm putting things in my body that are not really great for it all of the time. So how do you come right. at it from that, from that side? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, I think the important thing is to recognize that those two experiences very, very often for people are inextricably connected because very often if people have been in this place and um, and, and this, this swing can happen um, within the span of a day, it can happen over months, right? So the timing of it can look different for different people. But for example, if people have been in a place of, you know, I'm gonna be eating in a certain way, right? That can be again, all the way from an eating disorder to I'm on a diet mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be eating these certain foods. When we're talking about that idea of trust, whether or not it's that our body is not getting enough nutritionally, calorically, or even psychologically, our brain, knows and perceives deprivation, Mm. right? And so then this is one of the scariest and hardest parts of intuitive eating for so many people, because there's that principle of unconditional permission to eat. When I 
say those words to people, the fear that I see come over people's face, understandably, is just so palpable. Because again, when you say unconditional permission to eat, you're essentially saying, holy shit, I have to trust my body and I mm -hmm. don't trust my body, right? And what if I eat all of these things? And what if I, am, I feel out of control? And so there are certainly some things that we can do to help that process feel and actually be easier. But a lot of times too, I just try to reassure people that that swing is a lot of times just a very natural part of the process because it's like the body going, finally, mm -hmm. I get to eat the things I want. And I don't have to be restricted. Now, the important thing to remember with intuitive eating is that unconditional permission to eat, ideally, it's also paired with mindfulness mm -hmm. where we're attending to, and how does this food feel in my body? How am I eating? You know, how do I feel when I have, when I'm giving myself permission to you know, have cake for breakfast or mm -hmm. the, all of those things, right? So that's the, that's the check and balance system with it. But a lot of times I do reassure people because again, this is like the, my unwavering belief in, in our, most of our bodies that there will be this gradual move to the middle where the body goes like, okay, I know now Mm -hmm. that I can have access to all the food, any food, whenever I want it. Um, so that kind of that, that fight or flight response then can kind of calm down and quiet down. So most people do over time start to see a move to the middle um, where again, their body then um, is saying like, okay, I know I can have all those foods anytime I want. Um, and here are the foods that sell, you know, there just tends to be more of a balance for people. Um, but that's a hard part of the process for sure. And a really scary part of the process for a lot of people. That makes a lot of sense that by trusting and kind of like <clears throat> sticking with the, like sticking yeah. with the plan and just tolerating more distress internally, like noticing, okay, I feel really uncomfortable right now, yep. but knowing that that part has to happen in order to get over yep. this sense of deprivation where your, your mm -hmm. mind or your body is like, you better eat those cookies because you're not going to be able to have yep. them again after tomorrow or tomorrow okay. you're going to make up for all of this. So eat everything you want tonight. And then you just feel yep. like absolute shit, which is yep. also like what I'm hearing is to pay attention to you can, yeah, eat whatever you want and pay attention yeah. to how that all makes you feel. And it, that together is yeah. like the secret sauce to, yeah. to healing that the relationship yeah. with self when it comes to all of these body image issues. Let's go through a couple of, I had, I had some ideas and I wanted to see what you wanted to add to them as well. So a couple of specific questions around now, like what to do with all of this as we go through the holidays and navigate all of the parties and all of the food and all of the family and their comments and, and all of that other stuff. So um, one thing that came to mind was alternate rebellion. And what are some ways that people can practice alternate rebellion when it comes to all of these issues? So for anybody who doesn't know, alternate rebellion is a DBT skill that's basically like doing something... Um, that maybe feels like it's going against the grain um, in a way that I feel like helps you kind of like take your power back. For me, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm going to give an F you to this stuff, but still do something that's not going to cause me harm. Like it's still effective and mm -hmm. moving me closer to my goals. One of the things that I thought for this, I thought of two, actually, one of them was buying clothes that actually fit you and feel really good. Like not yeah. 
not like taking your style down, like still get the fancy velvety blazer, but like, go get one that fits you or get sparkly pants, but get ones that fit you and feel really good. So that was one thing that came to mind. Another one was, um, maybe tell people that you don't want to hear that. Like when someone says, Oh, so-and-so, you know, you look like you gain weight. You can say, Hey, like today, that's not really a welcome comment. So I just wanted to Mm -hmm. let you know that before you were in an awkward situation with someone else. (laughs) right? So what are some other skills, whether it's alternate rebellion or not, what are some other skills that come to mind for coping with a lot of these issues that come up? Yeah. Well, depending on where a person is, I love that idea of like choosing clothes that for sure that feel comfortable. And you could even be do like alternate rebellion where you might choose clothes that other people might say like, Ooh, like shouldn't wear that for your body. You know, Mm -hmm. just those just really ridiculous, Mm -hmm. you know, thoughts and comments that people make. And again, it can be like an F you to that and be like, I'm going to wear it, Yeah, you know? And so that depends on where you are in that process, you know, but that can be a really great way of just, um, having a demonstration of like, I am not buying any of this shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that idea. And, you know, kind of related to this, I mean, one of the things that I just think is so helpful and important is to, is to have a community of people that are doing the same work that have the same perspective and especially even like people that are you know farther down the path so maybe you're at a place where you're going to wear something that's comfortable but you really like check out the instagram page of somebody who's like wearing all the sequins Mm -hmm. and uh you know christmas crop tops that's what i'm thinking christmas Christmas crop crop tops tops. (laughs) yes exactly you know because i just think it can be, it's so important. This is actually where I think social media can be a huge ally in this process. Cause very often we might not actually be surrounded by people who are aligning with our new way of thinking and our new way of doing things, but we can find that kind of community, you know, on social finding media. the right people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's all about curating mm-hmm. the messages that you hear, the voices that you hear, and you can really, you know, we can do that in problematic ways, but we can do that actually in ways that align with, again, the perspectives and the values that we are trying to take on and inhabit in our own lives. And so it might be like, load yourself up on all those people and those voices, you know, before you go to your for you know Christmas mm-hmm. Christmas breakfast or Christmas brunch and then like I'm always like go to the bathroom you know yeah. what I mean like take a minute take a minute go to the bathroom take your phone with you listen to those people like do you know what I mean like do things that continually anchor and ground you um to again a perspective that in a lot of families and friend groups might be very against the grain um but it's just so important to have those voices be louder um, than the ones that you might be surrounded by, um, you know, in, in those situations. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to do a quick recap on some things to take with you um, and summarize what are the pieces that we're, we're bringing out of this. So the first thing is to be viewing your the relationship that you have with your body, like it's a couple's relationship. I really love that. And focusing on the 
the damage has been done, but in a way of showing compassion in efforts to make repair and to highlight that because, you know, I think we can also get really down on ourselves about the damage that's been done. And so it's like, hold on, slow down. Remember that compassion and mindfulness are deeply well, hopefully if we're practicing them, they're deeply rooted within one another. It's kind of like, you can't have one without the other. And so applying that to you and just allowing yourself, giving yourself grace in those spaces to like, take a deep breath, let that go, notice it, let it go, and then keep it moving. Um, the other thing is paying attention to the, the practice of intuitive, of intuitive eating, you know, it involves a lot of slowing down, asking yourself, what is it that I want right now? And then, you know, when you have that making time to ask yourself, and then how does this make me feel balancing unconditional permission to eat with mindfulness? And that's really important. Practicing alternate rebellion can look a different ways, but I think we're really here for the Christmas crop tops. And if you wear the Christmas crop top, please tag us so we can see (laughs) that because that's freaking awesome and amazing. I really love that. And then making sure that your stakes are built in this place of community and having the right voices around if you, especially if you know, you're not going to have those voices at the place that you go. So that could be uh, a a friend that you have and you're, you know, sending love to one another and cheering each other on via text. It could be people that you follow on Instagram and then taking those bathroom breaks whenever you need to scream it out. And can you imagine like <laughs> screaming in the bathroom and coming out and you're like, Hey everybody, what's up? So where's the, what's, what are we doing next? And everyone's just like, what the hell? That's another alternate rebellion practice. So <laughs> I yes. recommend just act like nothing's going on. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope that these are all things that will, I'm sure they'll be helpful. It's more, I hope that everyone takes the time to practice them because I'm sure this can really apply to almost anybody with all of the seriously, like just so much freaking food that comes during the holiday time. So with that being said, thank you, Brees, for being on Tea Talk. Why don't you let people know where they can find you if they want to learn more about you and your services? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun uh, to talk about all of this. So um, you can find me on um, my website, Living Balance AVL, like Asheville, AVL.com. So that's Living Balance AVL.com. I have Instagram, but I'm a terrible Instagram poster. So you might find something from like 2020 on there, Um, but you're welcome to check me out there too. Awesome. All right, everyone will continue to have a safe and happy holiday or whatever it is. If it's not happy, that's also fine too. Whatever it is, I hope it's what you want it to be. Take good care and we'll see you next time. right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way and let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all and make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.